Good morning. It's such a joy to be here with Adonai Church and share the Word of God this morning in the first week of June. As we are all going through this very, very tough time, as we are all going through this tumultuous experience of being in this COVID world, I'm sure all of us have got questions in our mind as to why this is happening the way it is happening and what is God doing in all of this. You have that question for sure and I have that question myself. And as I was praying and as I was asking the Lord, Lord, what is it that is happening in the world? What's in your heart? What is it that you are doing at this point of time? The Lord reveals something very, very special to me. I thought this morning I will share with you what the Lord revealed to me. Before we go into God's word, let's bow down our heads in prayer and we will seek God's guidance through his Holy Spirit to deal with us, to speak to us and prepare us for fulfilling the purposes for which he has called us and also to fulfill the purpose what he is working in our lives. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray and ask you, Lord, that through your Holy Spirit, Lord, you would teach us this morning the truth of what you're doing, Lord, Father God, so that, Lord, we can align with your plan. We can glorify you, Lord, through our lives, Lord, Father. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. The questions that everyone has at this point of time is why and what is God doing in all of this? And let me tell you, God is not silent in all of this. God is at work. And if there's something that God is doing through all of this, it is to bring people closer to him so that people can experience his power, his glory. And the ones that God is bringing closer to him is us, that is you and I, the church of God, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. And God wants us to align ourselves as close to him as possible so that we can experience his glory. The Lord, when I was reading the word and waiting upon him, revealed to me that what he's doing right now is he is bringing a fresh new life into his church, a fresh new life into his body. He's reviving the church. This morning, I have titled my message as Revival is on are you in? Revival is on. Are you in? God is reviving the church and it's for you and I to be part of that revival. God wants us to be part of that revival. We need to respond to the call of God so that we are part of what he's doing at this point of time to really experience his will for our life, his will for the world, his will for what he wants to do in and through the church. When we talk about revival, there's another word that comes and is used multiple times in various Christian literature. And that word is awakening. How different is revival from awakening? These are two different words and somebody has defined this. Revival is what the Lord does within the church and awakening is what the Lord does in the world outside the church. The word revival basically means is to revive something which is dead, something which needs a fresh new life. 
And the church today needs that fresh new life to be relevant for the world that is hurting. And God is breathing that fresh new life. Awakening is for the world, for the world to see what God is doing in the world, what God is doing through the church for the world. Revival is about getting the church ready for ministering to the world. Revival is about getting the church ready to accept the people from the world when they have an awakening that they need a savior, that they need a God. And when the two meet, you're going to have heaven rejoice. So this morning, I'm going to focus on the word revival and the process of revival in terms of what God is doing in the church. And I'm going to outline a few steps for us, which we each of us can examine on how we can go through those steps and where we are in those steps so that we can allow the Holy Spirit of God to work in and through our lives. The first step that I would like to present to you when we talk about revival is the step of realization. We realize something when we did not know about it before, or we were oblivious about it, or we were ignorant about it, or we knew about it, but we just chose to keep it aside. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 1, verse 18, the Lord speaks through the prophet to his people, and he says this, Come and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Now this is what the Lord is speaking to his people and he's telling, let us reason together. It's like the Lord calling for a one-on-one -on -one meeting and saying, let's sit across the table. Let us reason together. I have something to tell you. And would you listen to me? And if you have a question, would you ask me that question so that I can even clarify those questions? But in the process, what the Lord is also telling is that would you know, would you realize that there are sins that you need to deal with? And your sins are like scarlet. They're just red, they're dirty, but I have washed them white as snow. They're like crimson, but now I made them like beautiful wool. The Lord is reminding his people that they're not perfect. He's reminding us that we're not perfect. And many times people think and they live in this illusion that we have arrived in life. And we do not need that realization. We do not need that revelation that we are sinners and we need to deal with our sins. The first realization is about understanding that we are sinners. And that's what God is calling to. And today there's so much of a compromise even in the body of Christ, even in the Christian church, that people have forgotten to be compassionate, forgotten to pursue holiness. People have forgotten to have a close relationship with God in the midst of living that life of compromise. They still want to experience the blessings of God. They still want to shine like the light of the earth. They still want to be the salt of the earth. It doesn't happen that way. We need to deal with 
our sin. And that's what God is calling us to do. And for that, the Lord is going to throw light upon our lives. And the Lord is going to reveal to us that we need salvation. That we need redemption. That we, if we have already been saved, if we already accept the Lord Jesus Christ as a personal Savior, we need to get back to a closer relationship with Him. Even as believers, even as the body of Christ, there would have been multiple times that we would have failed the Lord. We need to examine ourselves. And that's what God is calling us to do. A.W. Tozer, one of the noted thinkers in Christianity, said this, to desire revival and at the same time to neglect personal prayer and devotion is to wish one way and walk another we cannot expect to have a revival. We cannot expect to be full of life unless until we have the close relationship with that holy God. And if we want to have the close relationship with that holy God, we need to go into the presence of the holy God by cleansing our thoughts, cleansing our deeds and letting God know that you deal with my sin, Lord. I'm not really worthy to be in your presence. And it's only through your grace that I come into your presence. Many times we tend to go into God's presence, taking the presence of God for granted, the access that God has given us for granted. Would we examine all of our lives this morning time? The second realization is when we realize that it's only God and nothing else and no one else who can salvage us from a situation that we are in. Now we are in the situation of the coronavirus. We are in a situation of the COVID-19. We are also in a situation where there are cyclonic storms. There's an econ economic upheaval. There's also uh, a situation with the, uh, uh, the locusts coming and eating our uh, uh, farms. There are also rumors of wars. Who has the solution for all of this? Do we have the solution for all of this? And if we think that we have the solution for all of this, and if we think that mankind has a solution for all of this, then we are fooling ourselves. The next realization is about understanding that it is not us who have a solution for our problems, but it is God who has a solution for our problems. And we see a classic example of this realization in the life of a king by name King Jehoshaphat, one of the good kings of Judah. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 5 to 12, we see the story of Jehoshaphat who was uh, facing a battle from the Ammonites. He was also facing the battle from the Moabites. And here he is, as he was standing there and his enemies were closing in on him. He goes into the presence of God. And this is what he says, then Jehoshaphat, I'm reading from verses 5 to 12 in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand there is not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you. Are you not our God? You draw the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever. And they dwell in it. 
and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now, here are the people of Ammon, here are the people of Moab and Monsir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us as an inheritance. O oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. What a powerful sentence in verse 12. Where the king is standing in front of the temple in the presence of God and saying, we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. When was the last time that a group of people, a multitude of people, believers, the church, went into the presence of God and made this kind of a prayer? And that's what the Lord is calling us to do today. When churches after churches today are actually going into the presence of God and saying, Lord, we do not know how to deal with this coronavirus. We do not know how to deal with what the world is calling today as a possible biblical scale pandemic and a famine. We do not know how to deal with these locusts. We do not know how to deal with these cyclones. We do not know how to deal with these economic wars that are happening. But Lord, would you deal with it? And here we find Jehoshaphat saying in verse 5, Are you not the God in heaven? That's a realization that there is a God in heaven. And in verse 5 again he says, Do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? That's another realization that God that we worship is actually the one who rules over the nations of the world. And in verse 7 Jehoshaphat says, Are you not our God? You're not only the God of heaven, you're not only the ruler of the nations of the world, but you are our God. And in verse 12 he says, will you not judge them? What a realization. Do we realize what kind of a God we have? Do we realize that we are powerless? Do we realize that it's only one place that we have security and refuge in, and that is the presence of God? The first step in, 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 in revival is the step of realization. The step that we need to deal with our sins and also the step that we, we realize that we have a God who is able to forgive us. We have a God in heaven who is above all and this God is going to deliver us. And the realization that we cannot do anything with our own strength. When we come to that point, when we are able to confess that it's not we 
but it is God who can deal with this. The church will cease to depend upon its own strength, but will depend upon the strength of God and God alone. And that's the beginning of mighty revival because God shows in and does something amazingly, divinely supernatural. Leonard Ravenhill said this, the only reason we don't have a revival is because we are willing to live without it. But many times we are guilty of that. We don't allow God to step in, but we use our own intellect, we use our own strength, we use our own ability, we use our own financial power, we use our own relationships and networks, we use our own muscle power and try to do something. Forget it. Leave it to the Lord and the Lord is going to do something amazing. The first step in a revival is realization. What is the Lord speaking to you this morning? Have you depended upon your own strength in your situation? I don't know if you have shattered dreams. I don't know if you have businesses going down. I don't know if you have plans that are not uh, uh, moving in the way that you wanted them to move. This is the time for you to realize that it's only the Lord who can do things for you. Would you like to come to his presence and with that realization, leave those things into the Lord's hands? The second step in revival is repentance. When we realize that we are sinners, when we realize that we need restitution for our sins, when we realize that we need to go into God's presence and rebuild that relationship and give him that lordship and give him that rightful place, we come to a place of repentance. In Matthew chapter 4 verse 17, we see the first preaching that the Lord Jesus did. And he started his ministry this way. And this was his first message. He said this, from that time Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus did not start his ministry by saying, come to me and I'm going to heal you. He did not say, come to me and I'm going to bless you with financial blessings. His first message was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Are we willing to repent for all those times that we have not given God the first place? Are we willing to repent for all those times that we acted in our own strength? When we act in our own strength and we do not let God act in our situations, we are spiritually dead. And that is where God wants to breathe a fresh life into our lives and bring a new life and that's revival. This message from the Lord Jesus, he valued it so much. He valued it so much that he wanted to see people repent and come closer to him much more than the miracles that he did. So much so that in Matthew chapter 11 verse 21, he was speaking to a bunch of cities and he said this, Woe to you, Chorazin, Woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. The miracles that we experience in our life are only to show what a powerful God we have so that we can realize that it is not our strength, but the supernatural strength of God, which can sail us through and this God can carry us through. And that realization means to bring us to a point of repentance. And here is the Lord Jesus terribly upset with those two cities 
Chorazin and Bethsaida and saying that if those miracles that I had done uh, were done in other places, in like in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented. But you guys are not repented. Would we repent for all those areas that we have failed God in? Would we repent for all those areas where as believers, as the body of Christ, we have broken the heart of God? So that we allow God to do what he wants to do in and through us. In Proverbs chapter 28 verse 30. It says. He who covers his sins will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Many times we as Christians are so good at covering our sins. So good at putting a mask. So good at pretending to be holy. So good at pretending, as pretending to be saints. But under the carpet, there's so much that we know that we have been pushing in. Well, let me tell you, the Lord is looking at restoring that relationship through repentance. We might think that others may not see what is under the carpet, but the Lord knows exactly what has been swept under the carpet. Friends, this morning, the Lord is calling us, each and every one of us, to repent. To repent of all those areas that we have failed him and broke his heart. So that we can give him the place to do things that he wants to do in this world. God wants to do amazing things. Amazing things. We see in the book of Second Chronicles chapter 7 verses 13 and 16. Here's what the Lord says. If I shut up heaven... If I send famine and pestilence, then it says in verse 14, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. But as we look at this verse 14 closely, we will realize that this verse is not for the world, but this verse is actually for the church. It says, if my people who are called by my name, now who are those? That's you and I. When the Lord shuts up the heaven, when the Lord brings in pestilence and famine, that's what it says in verse 13. And that's what we are experiencing right now. There is famine. There are locusts. As it says in verse 13, we have seen that happening in our country. We've possibly seen pestilence, famine as well. And this coronavirus, which is a deadly pestilence. In that circumstance, if we need a healing for our land, the key for that healing is what is written in verse 14. My people who are called by my name need to humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. This is what the Lord is telling as the key for the healing of the land. The key for the healing of the land lies when the church is willing to refine itself 
and come to a place of repentance and when the revival starts in the church with the beautiful relationship between the church and God, you're going to see an amazing healing spreading out to the nations of the world, into the rest of the world, a great awakening happening. Now what is repentance? Repentance is not just about going and saying, I'm sorry Lord, but repentance is actually taking a new turn. It, this verse says, Turn from their wicked ways. It means that you're going to take a U-turn. Somebody talked about a fake repentance. Fake repentance is when you have no change. You have no remorse. You justify your error. You're repeating the same error. You're looking at others. Rather than yourself for that error. And you're looking at others to blame. For your errors and your hurts. That's fake repentance. True repentance is when you would say, Lord, I own up to that mistake, Lord. I shouldn't have been doing that, Lord. I've broken your heart, Lord. I will never do it again, Lord. And I am giving a undertaking to you, Lord, that I will not do it ever again. That's true repentance. Friends, this morning, would we examine our lives? What have you done that has hurt God? It could be anything. It could be the words that we spoke to people who are near us. Whom we have hurt. It could be promises that we gave. That we broke and we did not keep. It could be something as simple as not coming to church on time. It could be something as simple as not keeping our appointment with the Lord. Not having a quiet time. Not having a time of intercession and prayer. And reading the word. It could be something as simple as not treating our neighbors or family members the way the Lord has told us to treat them. Have we asked forgiveness from those people? Have we asked forgiveness from the Lord? Wickedness is also about saying that I'm going to give that guy back for what he did to me. That's wickedness. Have we been doing such things in the past? Wickedness is also about anger. Would we turn back from that anger? Let's examine ourselves in the light of the scriptures, in the light of God's word. What God is telling us to do and turn from those wicked ways. The next step in revival is the step of refinement. We talk about realization, we talk about repentance. Next comes the step of refinement. Now when we talk about refinement, we might be thinking of a petroleum refinery in the oil and gas industry, or we might even be thinking of refining of water. Refining is a step-by-step -step process. It's a painful process. We see huge oil refineries where the crude oil is brought in and it goes through a step-by-step -step process. It's a painful process till the time that this product is usable for putting it in your car, for igniting your, your, that fuel. To run your car. A crude oil cannot be put as it is in a car. The same way when we realize that we need God and we realize that it's only God who can take us through, when we realize that we have sinned against God, when we have repented and when we have put ourselves into the hands of God, God takes us through a process of refinement. Refinement is not something that we do ourselves, but He does it. Would we allow Him to refine us? That's where revival happens. We're going to be very different. Let me tell you this. After this lockdown, when we go back to our offices, 
when we go back to our schools and colleges, when we go back to our business places, if people tell us, hey, you're the same person as you were before, I'm not talking about the physical weight here, I'm not talking about the waistline here, I'm talking about the nature. If we are not different in our nature than what we were before, I think we are not allowed God to work during this period. Somebody said this, the fishermen, when they don't go fishing, they are repairing their nets. You know, that's very important for us to also do when we are not at work. It's important for us to allow the repairer, Holy Spirit God, to repair us. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 3, it says, He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. God himself wants to sit and purify us and to refine us pure as silver, pure as gold. Would you allow him to do that? It's painful. It will be painful. But let me tell you what comes out is going to be something which is beautiful. The next step in revival is the step of restoration. Once you have been revived, once, once you have been refined, once you have been made pure, once you have been made presentable, the Lord is going to restore you to a beautiful place. And that's a beautiful place of a relationship with God. In Psalm 51 verse 12 it says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. This is what the psalmist says. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Now, what does this mean when we talk about restoring the joy of salvation? The first love that we had, the first piece of joy that we had, the experience of the joy that we had when we came into God's presence and when we experienced salvation is something that God is going to restore back because we go into the presence of God guilt-free. We go into the presence of God reflecting His nature. God wants us to have that joy of salvation and once He refines us, He restores the joy back to us. It is God who restores us back to the joy. Now that's when revival starts showing up its effect. In Revelation chapter 3 verse 16, there's a beautiful verse which talks about what kind of people God accepts. It says here, so then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. I will ask you this question. If you go to a Starbucks cafe, would you like to have a cold coffee or a hot piping coffee? Or would you like to have a lukewarm coffee? Nobody would like to have a lukewarm coffee. You either choose to have a cold coffee or you choose to have a hot piping coffee. The same way the Lord does not want lukewarm Christians. He wants us to be burning with fire or he wants us to be beautiful and tasty like that ice cream or like that cold coffee. That's when we reflect the glory of God. 
That's what he refines us to. That's what he makes us presentable as. And that's when the world would also see and say, wow, wow, I see the church. I see the nature of Christ in this church. And this group of people are so different than anybody else that I have met. And by the way, they are not like us. And we want to be like them. How we like that, friends? How often would the world look at us and say, hey, they're also like us. Possibly we are better than them. But the Lord wants us to come to a place where we are presentable to the world. And the world would turn around and say, wow, we would like to be like them. So that's the process of restoration. Where God restores us back to a place that he originally intended the church to be at. That's his plan. So we talked about realization, we talked about repentance, we talked about refinement, we talked about restoration. God takes us through the process when we realize that we are sinners, when we repent of our sins, when we allow him to refine us, and when we allow him to present our way. That's when the Lord also decides that he would like to rest. The last area that I want to talk about, the last step that I want to talk about is the step of rest. Now, haven't we heard many times that the Lord actually told us so many times that I'm not done with you yet? What does it mean when the Lord says, I'm not done with you yet? When the Lord says, I'm not done with you yet, it means that I'm fashioning you still. I'm getting you ready. I'm making you into a beautiful model for me to be able to present you to the whole world to see. That's what it means that God is fashioning us. God is churning us. God is refining us. When that process is over, the Lord rests and says, wow, I like what I've made. Wow, I like this beautiful masterpiece that has been fashioned. And this masterpiece will also enter my rest. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3 to 5, it talks about we entering into the rest of God. It says, for we who have believed do enter that rest as he has said. So I swore in my wrath that they shall enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has spoken in a certain place on the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works, and again in this place, thou they shall uh, not enter my rest. Now God is not at rest today, the reason being that we are giving a lot of work to the Lord, where the Lord is continuously fashioning us. But the more we surrender, the quickly we surrender, the Lord will enter into a place of rest and he will also give us rest in that same very place. In Matthew chapter 11 verse 28, the Lord Jesus says, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. He wants us to rest and he wants to be at rest as well with us so that we can work together. You know, God wants to work in our lives. In Psalm 127 verse 1, the Lord says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who built it. Who built it? Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. We have been spending a lot of our time 
trying to work and overwork and you know put on those sleepless nights. But the Lord says, look, allow me to build your house. Allow me to build your life. You be at rest. And when I'm doing my work, we can have a beautiful rest together. Stop running behind those dreams that you're trying to chase in your own strength. Let God step in and you're going to experience rest. You're going to experience the beauty of what God builds as the beautiful house that God is building. Friends, when that happens, the world will take notice of the church. And when the world takes notice of the church, the world will also start realizing that there is something that they are missing, which the church has. And that's a great awakening. Now history, in very crucial times, is replete with examples of great awakenings that happened. In the 1730s, there was a great awakening that happened with Jonathan Edwards, George Brainhard, John Wesley, and all these leaders leading through a great time of revival in the church, followed by a great awakening in the world, and new churches being planted, and Christianity growing. You also have examples in the 1850s, when there was a wave, what is called as a third awakening. You have the founding of the YMCA, you have the founding of the ministry of D.L. Moody. There are examples that are given that as ships were entering into the coast of the United States, people started weeping because the Holy Spirit God was present there. There was so much of a power in that place that they were being convicted of their sins. And as they were coming in, they were finding a local church and asking people to guide them towards a growth in their spirituality. So many thousands of pubs were shut down in the city of London and in lots of other places in, in the United Kingdom during a great awakening that happened there. In the 1950s, around the same time, we had the Youth with a Mission being founded, Operation Mobilization being founded, there was Campus Crusade for Christ being founded, there was a huge movement of new organizations which came in. Why? Because a group of people at that point of time after the World War II, in the deep crisis that they went through, surrendered themselves and said, Lord, do what you want to do during these days. And the Lord did something amazing. And the Lord wants to do something even today. And that's my word for you today, this morning. Would you allow the Lord to do that? The Lord wants to do it. And the Lord is doing it right now. There are so many churches who are praying every day. There are fasting prayers happening all over the world. Revival is happening. It is on. The question that I have for you is, are you in it? Would you like to be in it? Be part of the prayer that, that the church is having. The 21 day fast is going on. Be part of the prayer. Be part of the prayer, friends. The, the 21 day fast ended on the 31st of May. The day of the Pentecost. But that doesn't mean that our relationship with the Lord will end there. We've got to go deeper into the relationship with the Lord. If you're not part of a care cell, be part of a care cell. If you're not part of a prayer group, be part of a prayer group and experience that revival so that when the Lord works in you, there's something amazing that would happen in the world outside and the world will experience healing. Leonard Ravenhill said this, you never have to advertise a fire. Everyone comes running when there is a fire. Likewise, if your church is on fire, you will not have to advertise it. 
the community will already know it. Wow. The community will know that there is a church on fire and something is happening out there. And then you will have so many people being added into God's kingdom. And that's precisely what was happening in Acts chapter 2 when we see verses 40 to 45. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word, that is Peter's word, were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Isn't that what we're doing today? Breaking of bread, apostles' doctrine, the teaching of the word, in fellowship and in constant prayers. Now look at what happened here. In verse 43, when the church was doing this, when the church was getting refined, when the church was getting restored, when the church was getting revived, you have something happening outside in verse 43. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all of them as in anyone had needed. So what was happening was every day, every day you were having people being added into the church. I just want to remind us what Pastor Victor preached a few weeks back about the bride of Christ. How the bride is being presented to Christ and how the bride calls come to the world along with the spirit of God. In Revelation chapter 19 verse 7 it says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. Are we ready for that marriage? Are we presentable to God for that marriage? And when that marriage happens, there's something beautiful happens as recorded in Revelation chapter 22 verse 17. And the spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, come, and let him who thirsts, come, whoever desires, let him take the water of life free. The church and the spirit of God would invite the rest of the world into God's kingdom, saying, come. And God is preparing the church at this point of time, the bride of Christ at this point of time, reviving a church which has been dead in sin in many ways because of multiple compromises that have been done during this season, reviving that church. So that there's a mighty awakening that will happen in the world. Let's go through those five steps again. The first step of realization that we are sinners and only God can help. The second step of repentance, the third step of refinement, allowing God to refine us. The fourth step of restoration to the glory that God wants to show in our lives to the rest of the world. And the fifth step of rest, where we are fellowshipping with God, we are one with God. The beautiful marriage happens between the bride and God and the, the lamb and the rest of the world is invited by the spirit and the bride saying, come. Are you ready, church? Would you allow yourself? Would you allow yourself to go through the process of revival? Revival is on. Are you in? 
We're going to sing this song, a very old song. It's called Touching Heaven, Changing Earth. Beautiful words sung by Darling Sheikh. It says, we will seek your face, almighty God. Turn and pray for you to heal our land. Father, let revival start in us. Then every heart will know your kingdom come. Lifting up the name of the Lord in power and unity, we will see the nations turn, touching heaven, changing earth. We want to sing that song and afterwards Pastor Charles will lead us to a time of surrender and commitment to the Lord so that we are part of the journey of the great revival that God is doing so that there's a great awakening in the world outside. God bless you.